Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And, uh, boy, I'm telling you, we are having a blast. I want to thank all of you for tuning in and turning us on. And, my gosh, I can't even begin to tell you how many people are listening to the Dr. Pat Show and Transformation Talk Radio and all of our archives. As a matter of fact, we've just had to get a bigger server on GoDaddy. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you all. Um, uh, it is just an honor uh, for me to be here to serve all of you. I'm so thrilled um, about my guests tonight. I'm thrilled to have them on the show. Um, I'm inspired by their message. Uh, and I'm hopeful that all of us will truly understand what it's like to take a look at adversity in our lives, look it straight in the face, and understand that there is, for no other reason at all, a purpose to some of the things that go on in life. But sometimes we're hit with devastation. None of it makes sense to any of us. You know, I certainly had that experience when I was seven years old, and my mother passed away very unexpectedly. And I think many of us are faced with things that are happening right now in our lives, in our worlds. But there are stories, there are people that have had the courage to tell stories of courage. And those are my two guests tonight. Tony and Linda Cole are joining me here today. I am so thrilled to have them here. You know, the book that they have written is called Resurrecting Anthony, A True Story of Courage and Destination. Uh, tonight, you're going to hear about the journey of a young man, young man's parents, what they've discovered about themselves, their lives, what the journey really means. And then what do you do when not so great things happen to some pretty cool people? So tonight we get to meet uh, both Linda and Tony and Anthony. All of us can use a B12 shot of hope, and inspiration. I hope you're ready for a giant dose of that tonight. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about Linda and a little bit about Tony, but I really want you to hear it from right from who they are. They are, first of all, founders of Anthony Cole Training Group, and we'll hear a little bit about that. But they are also co-authors of the book Resurrecting Anthony, A True Story of Courage and Destination. Now, this is going to be a conversation that the three of us have tonight. And so what do we do, what do any of us do as they did uh, when they found themselves pushed, stretched, pulled, uh, almost to the point of disintegration 
beyond their wildest dreams, finding out that their young, young son is suddenly struck down from a heart attack. It's hard to even imagine what that feeling is unless you've experienced it. But how do you pick yourself up? And then what happens when you turn around and you develop what they call a toolbox, which can help all of us live through crises of all kinds? That's why I'm thrilled to talk with them tonight. It is the phoenix rising up from the ashes. Tony and Linda, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You know, I ask a question on the show, and I ask everyone that I've ever interviewed this question. I'm going to ask you the same question, even though in the introduction, the very essence of it perhaps answers the question. But here's the question I would love each of you to answer. Given all that you've done, given all that you've experienced, all that you are, what are some of the challenges and obstacles that each of you had had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Linda, why don't you start? Oh, I figured you'd ask me. Tony's so good at this. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think mothers approach things differently with their children than fathers. And, and I, I think typically when a, a child is ill or something happens drastically to, to a child, a mother just accommodates. You just figure it out because you love them from, from, for the very essence of what they are. Uh, as far as challenges, we have many with Anthony and have had along the way. And so I, I would say that uh, it's been a lot of adjusting um, lifestyle, business, and and just about every aspect of our life, uh, our lives and our family. Tony, how about you? Uh, I'd, I'd say that the, the biggest challenge for me uh, early on was the fact that I couldn't fix my son. Mm. You know, I uh, mm. I come from an athletic background. I grew up on a farm in New Jersey, and uh, just part of my DNA was that, you know, if you had the right attitude, if you worked hard, you could fix anything. And, uh, you know, I was very stubborn uh, about that. And it, it took me a while to – it, it took, took, took me a while, and it took Anthony uh, challenging me one day to understand that uh, – I had a problem I couldn't fix, and I had to focus on another problem that was fixing me and that I could fix. So I'd say that would be it. Well, you know, there's got to be something about the water in Jersey because I feel I have that same kind of gumption. You know what I'm saying? Being a Jersey girl myself. <laughs> I, I do know what you mean. So how did you manage to slow your, your speech pattern down so much? <laughs> I got to, I got to tell you, I uh, it's it, it's not really easy to do, but I happened to grow up with a stepmom that was from the South. Gotcha. So you take a New York, New Jersey accent, you yeah. put two cups of Southern draw in it, and you get what you're hearing right now. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> I got that. Yep. <laughs> But I'll tell you, the minute I get back on the airplane and I'm landing at Newark Airport, forget it. I'm back into the coffee and the talk. Yeah, the talk. You got the talk going, yeah. I got the talk going. <laughs> right, and the cannolis and everything else. Yeah. Um, in, you know, the, the, I want to thank you both for, first of all, for taking the story out. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, I know that, that your folks have sent me a lot of questions, and I, and I, I like to to look at the questions, and, and then I'm always drawn by what I've read in the book. And I want to ask you, why was it important 
for this story to get out to the public? Why, why was this important? Um, what, what, it's an interesting answer to that, and that is um, when we first started to uh, write the book, uh, we had focused on attempting to write a business book that would help us, uh, you know, leverage uh, our, our business opportunities and, and create keynote speaking opportunities. And then as Linda worked with the consultants and the experts on books and so on and so forth, the, the, the tone and the direction of the book changed to, to what it is today. And once, once we had the, the, the finished product, we realized that um, the reason the book has to go out is it's, it's twofold. One is, is that it, it answers the questions, okay, so now what? And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, when, when we went through this with Anthony, and dealing with all the denial and the what now and the fear and so on and so forth, you know, we Linda and I never, for a moment, uh, thought that this was going to keep us from providing Anthony a, a, a great, fulfilling life if we could. And so we've managed to do that. Uh, and and, uh, and through this process, uh, what we want to be able to do is to um, influence specifically fathers specifically dads, and, uh, and to help them understand a couple things. One is that uh, we need to love our children for who they are and not for the great basketball or football or soccer players that they are or the singers in the, in the, you know, in the chorus and so on and so forth or band members because that's normally how we evaluate our kids. Um, but, you know, when, when that was all taken away from us, we had to learn to love Anthony for what it is. And then the second thing is dads can't leave. You know, uh, and the statistics indicate that most of the time it's the dads who bail when things really are tough at home. And, uh, and so our purpose and our, our, our objective is to help fathers do a better job of being fathers when things are normal. And when they get tough, they got to stick it out and make it work. You know, I mean, this is a really powerful message on so many levels. There really is. And, you know, Linda, I was really struck by a, a couple of things uh, in the introduction that you put together. You know, one of the things I was really struck by, and I actually took the question out, and I ask myself this question every day. You know, I've had a few challenges myself, but, it, you know, I, I think once folks read this book, and get to know you both better, and we're going to talk about the toolkit, they're going to get to understand a different answer to this question. You asked the question, you know, can you find the will, the determination, and the courage to conquer your fears and overcome your challenges? Wow. Uh, I mean, the question is, can we? And, and what are the consequences, Linda, if we can't? Wow. Well, we see them all the time in, in the families that surround us that don't make it and in the mm. kids who grow up without uh, a home intact and and particularly the, the kids who are challenged and, and the mothers who juggle so many different roles to, to make the outcome uh, work. And it, it's an awful thing. It's, it's just... It's, a, it's very sad, and, and everyone suffers in, in the situation. But honestly, you know, I, I think it, it, for us, it took, you know, there were so many just minor adjustments, major adjustments too, but I don't think the mind takes you to what this is going to look like 12 years out, like is in where we are now. And, 
And so don't try not to go too far too fast. You know, and it's really kind of interesting that that you say that. I mean, you know, I want to ask you uh, each this question. You know, if you had to pick one thing that you learned along the way that you completely didn't anticipate learning, what would that be? What would that be, Tony? Wow. <laughs> they, they should have warned you about me, I think, huh? Yeah. <laughs> What's the question again? If you had to pick one thing, uh-huh. you had to, each of you had to pick one thing, one thing that you learned along the way that you completely didn't expect to learn. You know, sometimes we get challenges, right? I've been fired from every job I've ever had. Right. And, 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 you know, you expect certain things to happen from that, right? You expect to go through this, you expect to go through that. But every once in a while, you stumble upon a lesson in life that you could have never imagined would arise from that outcome of being fired. I wonder if you've had any of those. I would anticipate you've had many of them. I can only imagine what this was like on a day to day basis. Yeah, you know, constant constant learning um, from a practical perspective in terms of, and, and certainly Linda's um, tied into the, the, the practical learnings of how to care for somebody because she coordinates mm-hmm. the nursing care and the doctor's care and all the doc, hospital visits, and so you've got to learn all those things. Certainly we learn more about uh, brain injury and, and cardiac issues with, with uh, young people than we'd ever, you know, never imagined we'd have to learn about all those things. Um, but I, I'd say maybe... Uh, Two things that just pop into my head, and, and one thing I learned is, uh, I guess I described it as human kindness. That just uh, it, at moments uh, absolutely uh, overwhelmed me uh, in terms of the number of people that showed their love and caring in many ways. Uh, Linda's sister Jenny uh, essentially put her life on hold uh, for us and our family for three, five years, I don't know, something like that. If, if, if ever there was an angel that shows up in your life, it's, it's, it's Jenny. You know, so you'll, you'll learn that, that, that people just show up in your life uh, that you didn't expect, and they're additive, and they help you get through this thing. Uh, you know, and, and, and the other thing I, I learned is, uh, and, and this is going to, I don't know if it'll sound trite or not because it, it's, it, it's, um, uh-huh. It's probably pretty much overused, but we are just a heartbeat away. Uh huh. Right. You know, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, God shines on the just and the unjust. We're we're you know we're we're one of several people in intensive care. It mm-hmm. didn't matter what our wealth was or what color our skin was or what faith we had. We are in a mix with everybody else. Mm. It sort of gives you that that place where, you know, you look to letting go on a regular basis. I mean, you know, it's, I, I would imagine, and Linda, you know, I'm, I'm the same question for you, but I just want to ask you, you know, since you were involved in the day-to-day, I, I mean, how do you balance that level of perseverance with a level of letting go? Uh, well, I, we, we were blessed. We had, um, well, first of all, they would not discharge Anthony from the hospital with without nursing in place. And, and so even when he came home, he had um, nine to ten hours of nursing each day. So between 
um, my sister and the nursing, uh, I, I believe we had excellent support. And, and it, there was really no balance. And, and I tell people this all the time, when, when you're going through crisis or serious um, situations like we were going through, you uh, focus. And, and Tony and I decided early on what we would, we would be able to do. We would, I would focus on Anthony and family and Alex, and he would focus on work. And, and we basically had to split everything up and, and just go forward and, and focus on putting one foot in front of the other. And getting done what we had to get done. <clears throat> and that's how we approached it. Mm-hmm. Give a, let's give our listeners a little background about Anthony, um, who he was, what his soul's journey was about in this lifetime, and what what's bringing you both to this moment. Uh, Anthony was a typical 12-year-old boy and. um until September 8, 1998, he had been athletic and social and not the best student. He wasn't a bad student, but he was a B.C. student. And we got a call one day that he had gone down on the playground and he was being airlifted to Children's Hospital and found out that, that uh, later that he had some sort of cardiac uh, abnormality called Wolf-Parkinson-White Syndrome that we had no idea about because he had never demonstrated any issues and it's only uh, discovered by an EKG and a cardiologist or an event like Anthony's. Mm -hmm. And after that, he was a different person. He went into a coma for nearly a year and was nonverbal for nearly two years and we are basically with another person who is now 24 and a half. Mm. Mm. So, you know, one of the things you talk about in the book, you know, if you find yourself in Germany and you thought you were going to be in Italy, you adapt. Tony, how have you had to adapt along the way? Uh, I don't know which level you want to start at. You know, it, uh, it, I, I, I had to uh, adapt uh, to, uh, to uh, and, it, and it just recently came up. I had to adapt to learn my, uh, to, to help my son be happy mm. and not focus on getting better. And I, did, I, I would have described it that way. Several years ago, when there's when there's a moment in the book when when I'm working with Anthony and, and trying to do some therapy, and you know he'd been performing certain things, and we thought he was making progress. And as I'm sure you read in the book, one day I'm working with him, and, and it's not going well. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I am I am as cruel as a person can be to their child, and uh, and, and, and my hopes to motivate him because I continue to coach him. The way I did when he was normal, when he looked at me and asked me why I hated him, oh. and uh, you know, you just when you when you get there in the aftermath of that moment with Linda and I, you know, you learned that something better changed because he wasn't going to change, and 
Linda wasn't going to give me an option to keep doing what I'd been doing. And uh, so it's, 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 it's an ongoing process. You know, I wish I could sit here today and tell you that I've managed to get all the way through it, uh, but I haven't. I've got to constantly remind myself that my obligation and my role is to provide him as fulfilling life as I could possibly make for him and to make sure he's happy and, and stop worrying about trying to make him better. Mm. You know, as a mother, uh, Linda, uh, you, you know, being involved, as it sounds like you were, and some of the practical sides of things, but also uh, at a really deep emotional level, um, you know, how was it you were able to not only adapt, but but rise up to the occasion? Well, that's probably a good question. I, I don't know that any of us... Um know where what we would do or how we would react until we're faced with uh, challenges. And I, I would say that um, there was, uh, I'm going to go back to my, my statement before that the, the mind, the brain doesn't go all the way, mm-hmm. just does not have, uh, did not for me have the concept that Anthony would be brain injured and fully dependent and in a wheelchair and and even unable to speak for two years. I mean he can to this day he can't do anything for himself. He mm-hmm. he can't feed himself. He can't he, he can't stand by himself. He can't walk. He can't right. toilet. He can't do anything. And so the reality is I I don't think my mind went there for a very long time. I dealt with um, what I had in front of me and of course, there were times that uh, I gave it up to God. There's mm-hmm. no question. There, there were multiple times in the hospital, and um, when I recognized that that there was, I was doing as much as I could do uh, as his mother, and um, then I, I had to let it go from there. And mm-hmm. There were also times when I had to have strategies that calmed me. And I did one in particular where I I would envision myself floating in a pond. I found out later that this was a strategy. I did, didn't I hadn't read about it or anything, but it must it must have come naturally, and and it helped me through um, some really difficult periods. Mm. So this has been an incredible journey, a soul's journey. And it, you know, let me ask you this question: Carolyn Mace talks about sacred contracts. You know, she's done a lot of lot of work, of course, but you know, her more recent work is about sacred contracts, meaning that, and if you take the Carolyn Mace thinking, what she says is that Anthony made a contract and picked you both before he came into this world, and you know, there are a lot of people that think that. I'm not sure where you both are with that, and and at the same time, you both had some metaphysical conscious maybe even a God way, did the same. Why do you believe that the three of you have been brought together So that, that in, in, in the context of taking the soul's journey together? Um, you know, when you're, when you're in the midst of it, you, you probably don't recognize why. Um, I know we didn't. 
and I've told lots of people over the last six months ago since they released the book that, you know, I, you know, I, I never questioned why this happened. It, 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 it's, a, it's a question that really that will never give you a satisfying answer. But I always ask, okay, so now what? Yeah. And 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 and, and so I think that answers your question. Um, hmm You don't know this as you're going through it, and it reminds me of the the book I read called the Souls. Soul's code, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, something about our life is more than our theories of it allows. There's more to life than what our theories of it allow, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to your point is, um, however we manage to be here in this matrix together, <laughs> you know, we're here so that we can go tell this story, and and so that we can save families. Uh, Save lives, not from a death perspective, but save lives so that people can can uh, realize that there's hope, that they can have courage, they can have strength, they can have perseverance, and 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 they can have you know complete lives. But it's just going to be a different life. We have a very complete life with our son. Our son has a very complete life, but it's just a different one. Uh, you know, but uh, there, there was a, the book called God's Promises, and uh, it's a small little book. And I remind myself, God never promised me a perfectly healthy son. He promised me, promised me a lot of other things, but that wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why we're brought together is to go tell this story, influence your listeners, uh, have this conversation with you, so that someone out there listening who's suffering can find some hope and and make a better choice. And you know. Well, I- I, I don't know if I, I – I hope that we, we help other people. But then on the other hand, I, I also wonder if if God just thought I needed a, a bit of reforming and, and through Anthony, he, he touched me, and, and, and as, consequently I've become um, much more connected to the world around me and, and have become a very different – empathetic person than I was once upon a time. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's the question that I was asking before about, you know, the lessons. Kind of a strange question, isn't it? I mean, you know, in in a lot of ways, you know, I would imagine that Anthony has become and is to this day, right, your teacher in a lot of respects. What would you say to that? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's amazing, and we could go on and on. But he just, he just, he just says things at the right time that puts you in your place, and you know, uh, he reminds you that uh, as bad as we think our problems are, you know, he's been to the abyss. He's had the heart attack. He survived. When he first started talking, uh, uh, we'd ask him almost every day how he's doing, and even to this day, it's a great day. It's a wonderful day. It's a great gift from the Lord above. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. he always responds. And But early on, I asked him why he always felt that way. And he said, because I survived a heart attack. Oh. You know, and it puts things in perspective. It's like, you know, you can't scare him, you know, unless you take him on a tall building, you know. <laughs> but he's been to the abyss. And, uh, and, and so have we. And so he's a great teacher. Mm. You know, one of the things that you've both done is you've, you know, you've taken this journey. And, you know, the book, as I said before, you know, the book is written, but the journey's not, we're not done. 
and you've decided, okay, yes, we're going to share this book, but we have learned some very specific coping strategies and things that are extremely important. And I think I mentioned this when I was introducing you. You know, I think I said that something like you developed a toolbox, right, which helps people live through crisis of all kinds. Now, I have to tell you, there are more people on this planet right now that have gone through more types of crises than any of us can even imagine in the past couple of years. Tell us a little bit, Linda, about you know some of these coping strategies, some of these things you discovered. Because you know when I look at this and I look at this beautifully weaved, this just beautifully weaved tapestry that you all have put together, thanks to Anthony, of course. You know when I look at this. There are so many powerful messages in here for the people that think their lives are done. They think they're down and out because their their bank accounts are empty. And, you know, are these some of the people you're trying to reach? What are some of the – what would you say to some of these folks that are kind of, you know, think they're at rock bottom right now? I, I, you know, I, for me, and this is what I tell people to this day, it, it, sometimes we go through periods that um, that we don't know that we'll ever come out of. And mm. and it's just putting, uh, to me, putting one foot in front of the other, uh, consciously looking and, and stepping until it becomes easier to put one foot in front of the other. Because eventually it, 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 will, it will get better. But trying to get through that um, intense, tragedy, whatever it might be, is just focused on putting one foot in front of the other. And I know that sounds so it's so simplistic, but honestly, breathing in and breathing out and, and it's until it gets easier, and eventually it'll get easier. Mm. The title of the book, Resurrecting Anthony. I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of things that you could have called this book. Um, and I, I can't help but think what this means to you, this title in itself. You, you know, resurrecting Anthony, Anthony, people would take a look at this. Many people that haven't read the book or, or try to figure out what's in it probably wouldn't get a sense of it unless they read the, the subtitle. But resurrecting Anthony is, was so catching for, for both Linda and I, of course. You know, it automatically got our attention. What were what were you hoping by choosing a title like this? You know, there is. If you've read the book, uh, you, you would know that resurrecting Anthony, trying to bring Anthony back to life, was the essence. Is the essence of the story. The story is told through Tony's eyes um, yep. as a dad trying to bring back the son he once had. Mm-hmm. But but in the end. The, the person who is resurrected is Anthony Sr. <laughs> Tony, and, and, and may, many people are not going to understand this just reading the book without, without truly understanding what has happened, but Tony Sr. is the one who is resurrected in the end because he comes to recognize that he can't fix his son. He is driving his family away by being so uh, difficult. He's trying to bring Anthony back, and in the process, 
it's through the physical rehabilitation and the therapy and and the terrible, horrible stuff that was going on, he finally comes to recognize that he can't bring Anthony back. And in fact, he has to change. And he is the one who is resurrected because he recognizes that he must change himself. And he comes through it, and we survive as a family. So many marriages don't make make it, uh, and 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 you know what I mean by that. And Tony, I'd love for you to to answer this question. They don't make it. You know, interesting statistic here. I'll share with you. I don't know if you knew this yet, but you know, when we went into you know this economic situation that you know apparently we're moving out of right now. Um, uh, you know, everybody thought, oh, marriages, it's going to be tough. It's going to, you know, people are not going to want to stay in it. But honestly, what happened is they stayed in it because it made economic sense. Now that the economy is picking up, the divorce rate has jumped. And, 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 you know, it's interesting. Everybody thinks that's counterintuitive. Well, it makes perfect sense to me. But I wanted to ask you, I mean, Going through what families have gone through uh, in these past couple years, not even having the situation that you both described, you know, the first chance they get, they're going to leave. And this is what, this is what some, some experts are seeing. What was it that kept you both together? Uh, um, you know, I, I, I love answering this question because um, this is this is where I get a chance to help maybe people who aren't married yet and are thinking mm-hmm. about getting married. Um, because what what saved our marriage certainly was our. This is my perspective. Linda's got to may, may have some different views on this. Uh, it was our perseverance, our dedication, and you know, and, and willingness to you know to, to, to make things happen and all that kind of stuff. But what I've told people um, since we launched the book is the reason we survived is because. When we decided to get married, uh, we agreed that divorce was never going to be an option. And so, uh, and, and, and it was a very serious discussion. We had both been married before, had, had been through the divorce thing. Uh, neither one of us wanted to go back to that sort of situation again. And, uh, you know, we said it kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I told her, I said, listen, I'm, <laughs> if we're going to do this, you're going to have to kill me to get rid of me. <laughs> and so it was. It was pretty consistent throughout our marriage, like most marriages. I mean, we were married for uh, you know twelve, thirteen years prior to Anthony's uh, cardiac arrest, and we have challenges and things. And I'd walk out of the house and get halfway down the driveway and ask myself, "Where are you going, stupid? <laughs> you know, this isn't an option. Turn around, go back, and fix it." And so we, you know, we. So, so it's not like we didn't have challenges. This one just happened to be a real, real big one. And and for me. Um, it, it never hit my radar about leaving. Never hit my radar. You know, it was just, it was just, so, so that's the answer to the question is, is, you know, you start with a commitment to each other so that when you take the vows, you mean it. You know, sickness and health and better and worse, richer and poorer, all that stuff, you know, be serious about it. And, and, and so that was my, that, that's what, that's, that's why I did what I did. But, but the reality is that in, in that situation, there are two parties at least. And in, in our case, we managed to stay together, but 
fathers, the fathers aren't the only ones who have the option of walking away. And oftentimes it's a decision on the mother's part too, I think, to separate the family for other reasons, as we would have done if, if, things, if, if Tony hadn't been able to change his behavior with Anthony. And so I, it, it's not just up to the father. There, there was a time when it, it could have happened if Tony didn't change. But Tony, because of his um, great faith in us as a family and in God, he, he, made, he made changes, big changes, that impacted our relationship and we were able to stay together. Well, and, you know, this is really, I mean, we are talking about, you know, so many things, courage. Uh, we are talking about journey. I want to, I want all the listeners to know that, um, first of all, if you want to get a copy of the book, it, you know, you, it's very, very easy to do. But I would encourage all of you to go to the website, resurrectinganthony.com. That's resurrectinganthony.com. Uh, and you're going to find lots of information there about the book, about the authors, Linda Cole, Tony Cole, joining us here today on a show, on the Dr. Pat Show. Uh, and also, you're going to have an opportunity to tell them your tale of personal courage. Um, they're just, I mean, this is a time for all of us, you know, to step forward and, you know, lend a hand to help people uh, that are listening to the show and others. You know, as human beings, this is one of the greatest ways for us to come together, and that is to share some of the stories, some of the hope, and some of the tools that we each have. Um, I, you know, for both of you, I, I mean, there are many, many things that that you have both done together, uh, as well as, uh, as, as, as Anthony. Uh, one of the things that, that I noticed is that, you not only wrote the book, but you decided to create something that I believe you're calling the Personal Courage Series. And, uh, you know, and I, I wanted to ask you uh, what the intention is. What, do you, what, what is your mission? You know, you both seem like you're on a mission. So what is your mission at this moment? You know, my, my mission is to help um, the people around me. And, and that is a result, a direct result of Anthony's injury and my um, recognition that that we are each connected at a very basic level to one another. And um, the Personal Courage series is, is a part of that in that everyone goes through tough times and the goal would be, the, the goal is that each of the, the books would be tales, different tales told by different people who have gone through different types of things and they're a look back, and it tells a story about how they went through it and how they felt and the strategies that they used in, in, in the hopes that someone else who is coming through the same thing or something similar might gain something from it and might not feel so alone. Mm. Um, I want to ask you a question that has to do with uh, your daughter, uh, many times when you're in a family and there is a, a sick child or a sick parent, doesn't matter, you, you know, and there are other siblings, uh, sometimes what happens is the attention sort of gets moved into one direction or another. If, if um, Alex were, were here today, and Alex is uh, Anthony's uh, younger sister, correct? That's right. 
Okay. So if Alex were here on the call today and chiming in, how would uh, how would she describe her life? She would definitely say that um, she took a back seat to Anthony uh, for a very long time, and and probably I'm sure from her perspective she did. Although mm-hmm. it, it might have it might have seemed more drastic since we just had the two of them and Anthony was the older. She was, of course, the baby of the family, and and so she had probably more attention than uh, a family that had more children would have had, or even if the situation had been reversed where she was older. But she would definitely say that um, her the attention to her was was changed, and and there is no question that it was for a very long time. Tony, what would she say to you? She would say that uh, she probably played basketball and let me coach her because she knew that's what I missed about Anthony. Uh-huh. You know, she was, uh, at a young age, she was, I, I think, uh, what she would tell you, tell, tell you is that she was sensitive to our needs, and, and, and I think she kept a lot of things in because, she recognized at a very young age that we were already pretty stressed out and pushed to the limits, and, and she didn't want to be an inconvenience or an ag, and and, uh, and she would probably tell you that, you know, she found her, she developed her own coping mechanisms. I mean, she's a sophomore at the University of Dayton. She's in theater, and, and when she walks into the room, you know she's there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so... When we were at the dinner table at night and, and a song came on, she'd jump off her chair and start singing, and you know, <laughs> so that you couldn't help but look at her, you know. <laughs> so she managed to grab her share of the attention, you know, when uh, when she needed to or when she could. You know, she's a she's a delightful young woman. She's she's done very well. You know, it's really interesting, right? I mean. Uh, you know, to, you know. Let's kind of take a look at you, you two as individuals. Uh, you know, in our culture here, both of you would be considered highly successful. You know, people living the American dream. You know, outstanding national training and consulting company. Um, did you did you think you'd be able to continue in that venue, or did you think you'd have to reinvent yourselves, create a whole new life in order to adapt to the situation? Uh, if I can take that one, Linda, the uh, you know it, it was um, interesting. It was never an option not to continue to do this. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I feel like I recognized early on that if we had been in a normal eight to five type of employee relationship with somebody, <laughs> we wouldn't have been able to do the things that we did to to take care of our son, to take care of each other to take the time away from the business that we have because we had great client relationships and uh, and manage our way through this uh, and, and economically get through it and then recover and, and build our business back to where it was prior to the cardiac arrest event. You know, so it, it was um, uh, just like everything else that we went through, you know, and it was an unsaid thing, but failure was not an option. And as you read in the book, you know, that was great advice that we got from our neighbor, Mike Ludy. He said, Tony, don't lose the business. You know, he... Right. He went through that. He lost his business. He said, it'll be tough, but whatever you do, don't lose the business because you're going to need it. So, uh, no, we never entertained doing something else. This is, this is what I've been called to do. This is what we've been called to provide uh, in, in, in our world, in our space. And so you know, they're going to pry it from my 
cold dead hands. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I feel the same way about radio. Um, and and honestly, I I I worked in the corporate world for 25 years. I was um, I was the head of human resources working for the to- the telephone company, uh, right through divestiture and everything else. You know, program development. And I thought, you know, live or die, that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And it's really fascinating, isn't it, when you find something you're passionate about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, though, the, the reality is that, that there are um, many families where, where the woman, the mother, would not have been comfortable staying at home alone. And, and it, it was... That's that's a reality. I mean, Aunt Tony left to train clients, and and Anthony was vomiting and on a feeding pump, and could very well have choked and and died. So I slept on the sofa. I mean, it was a nightmare for a very long time. And there are many people, and I wouldn't blame them, who would choose not to do it that way. Right. Then that's not a that's not necessarily a bad thing. So we. It was a choice on our, a conscious choice on our part, but it, it was not a, necessarily an easy choice. For a very and I'm time. so glad you brought that up because, uh, you, you know, there are some things that may make sense to people on the surface, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I think when you talk about being stretched, when you talk about being challenged, um, no one can really put themselves in your shoes. No, it's uh, one of the interesting things that have happened is um, is people that are really close to us, I mean really close, uh, read the book and then kind of whisper, I have no idea. Right. You know, and uh, but it's the same in every situation. You know, it's just uh, you, you never know what's going on in somebody else's life either. Uh, we've got a guy who works with us, Mark Trinkle, who, who's been a good friend for a long time, and he called me two or three days after Anthony went to the hospital and was talking about the tragedy and stuff. And, and I told him how much I appreciate his comments and his concern and his prayers. And I said, but Mark, I understand. I says, you know, you and Kim have been trying to have a baby for, for a long time, and, and you can't have one, and that's a tragedy too. You know, this just happens to be ours. But, but uh, you're right, no, no one can walk in our moccasins, and, and even people that were very close had no idea. How did you, I mean, let's just take one one thing, just one thing, navigating through the healthcare system. Just that one point. Who the heck did that? You know, I I handled 90%, 99%, all of it, actually. It's not not easy, and that is a, uh, it's getting worse. Yes. Yeah, obviously, it's, it's getting worse than it was. Uh, I had a lot of good help, Children's Hospital, and, and I will say that if, if you have a child and, and who is in uh, dire straits, that Children's Hospital is great at helping. Outstanding. And, yes, and um, they made sure that everything was in place. And I, I still had to sue our insurance company because they didn't want to pay the insurance bills when Anthony was in a coma in the hospital. But But the reality is that it's tenacity and it's, it's going to the top. You go to you go as high as you can, and you stay after them, and you write letters, and you get an attorney if you have to, which is what I did. Mm, wow, I'll tell you, you you do have gumption. I, I mean, I really, I, I mean, I love this conversation. I love talking with both of you. How do you take care of yourselves? Let me ask that question perhaps differently. You know, everybody talks right now about self care, 
it's huge right now. It's, you know, it's, you, the old term is self-care. Now we have some other terms for it. But, you know, the, there's a saying that says, you know, you can only take care of another person, you know, to the extent that you're taking care of yourself. H- how did you manage that? Yeah, I had great support in nursing. I had some wonderful uh, people who supported me very closely with Anthony, and they became my best friends. Um, I I also ran. I, I still exercise to this day, and I still uh-huh. run, although not as much as I did. And, and that kept me from doing anything that might have been negative in terms of alcohol or drugs because I just would run. I would run every day, every other day, whatever I had to do to relieve the stress. And beyond that, the coping strategies, I did all of these things. I confided in my primary physician. I knew, I, I told myself that this was going to pass. I ate well, you know, I, I and so it, it was a number of different strategies. It wasn't just one thing. I have to tell you, I have adapted one of your strategies in the book. Do you want to know which one it was? Absolutely. Okay, it's the one, I don't remember exactly where I read it, but it said that uh, you have to have moments that you can't avoid. I think that you talked about them. You said, find a place, and you suggested yours was a closet. And I remember as a kid, I used to go out on a fire escape, you know, in New York. But, you know, I'm in Seattle now. We don't have fire escapes. So I like the closet idea. And you said, that go to a place where you can really cry. You know, let it come, let it flow. You know, do it for four or five minutes. Then get your butt up and move it and do something. Don't dwell. And, and I, I read that, and I thought, okay, I'm going to try that. I mean, how important was that? For me, it was – I had to do it. I didn't want anybody to see. I didn't want to make anyone else feel worse than they were already feeling. Has it helped mm-hmm. you? Oh, absolutely. I love it. You know, or, you know, coming from an Italian family, we know how to be emotional, you know. But there are sometimes, you know what I'm saying, whether you're throwing the meatballs or whatever else you're doing. But, you know, there are moments, though, that you really want to just cry. Uh, and, you know, I cry on air. Uh, I cried reading this book. Uh, and, and, and yet it's not the same as taking those four or five. But I like the piece that you added. Don't dwell on it. Move. Do something. Right. Tony, how about you? What do you what do you do for release? Uh, same thing, you know, I uh, uh I, 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 I hope you guys have a big closet. <laughs> you know, I I didn't jump in a closet when 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 Anthony was still in the hospital and, and I'd come home at the end of the day, I'd take the dog for a walk and and I I just I just crumble to the ground. You know, uh-huh. just that was my closet outside in the dark streets just wondering what the heck had happened to our world, you know, and and uh, it, it, you, you asked earlier about a coping mechanism, and one of the things mm-hmm. I wanted to mention is that, uh, and, 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 and I don't, the, uh, right down the street there's a, a convenience store from the, uh, from the hospital, and every night I would leave, I would look at that and stop and think about getting a six-pack and, and drinking it before I get home, and mm-hmm. I understand that was only 16 miles away. I was pretty desperate. But something happened where I never did that. You know, I just, I just knew that, you know, that, that, that's not the right coping mechanism. So I wanted your audience to hear that. Um, uh, but but uh, the, the key, uh, I believe, is, is that uh, what you just stated, what Linda talks about in the book is uh, react. Go do something. Make something happen. 
You know, when, you know, you, you have the, I guess it's four or five steps to, to, for coping when you suffer a loss. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be one more, and that is to react. Take yeah. action. Go do something. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and so that's, that, but that's, uh, again, that's part of my DNA. My, one of the lessons I learned from my dad early on on the farm was when all else fails, hard work works. You know, mm-hmm. so I just kept working hard. And, uh, and I built a deck on the back of the house, and I built a swing set for my daughter. I mean, I just found things to go do to keep my head occupied. Well, I, I, I love, I love what you've written about, and I love, I love what your journey is about, and what you've said yes to in your life. So I want to thank you both for joining me here today. I, this has gone very, very quickly. Uh, one last question for for you both. What's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? I hope that um, I hope that families work at staying together as a result of of uh, reading Resurrecting Anthony, and that would be something that I would hope and pray for. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Linda Tony. I'd like your audience to remember this story. I hope I get enough time to say it. And when yeah. Anthony was very young, I learned to uh, separation anxiety technique. I used to kiss him on the palm of his hand, and uh, he'd hold it. And I'd say, hold that until Daddy comes home. And Linda told me that he'd take him and put him on the wall at night. And I imagined all these little kiss marks all over his wall. Well, here he is. He's, he's 12 years old. And the only thing that went through, well, not the only thing, but one of the things that went through my mind when we were in the hospital was I couldn't remember if I kissed him on the hand that mm-hmm. morning. And, uh, you know, just 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 kiss him on the hand and love him like you may not see him again. Mm. Thank you both so much for opening your hearts, um, sharing your wisdom, and for truly, truly loving in such a deep and profound way. I want to thank you both for joining me here tonight. Thanks, Dr. Pat. For those of you uh, resurrecting Anthony, a true story of courage and destination. Uh, It's an amazing story. Linda Cole and Tony Cole, if you want to find out more about them, the book, about the personal courage series, about the work, whatever it is you'd like to find out, go to resurrectinganthony.com. You know, tonight's show... One of the most transformative I've ever done. I hope you, you have heard something today that is going to help you take that next step, that one step at a time, that is called the rest of your life. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show. Not me.